Hello, church. Greetings from the past. I am your personal Marty McFly this weekend because by the time you see this, it will be a week and a half later, and my family will be out of town on vacation for the first time in a year. We are really looking forward to it. I don't know if people think about this, but a fair amount of work goes into creating these online videos in addition to the photography and the editing that goes into that. Uh, Justin, Audie, and I spend all day Friday mixing and editing the audio so that it sounds clean and Hopefully, we'll encourage you to sing along at home. So uh, when we need to go out of town or we need to change things up, we felt like it would be okay to maybe just share a couple of the worship songs for the past few weeks. So we encourage you to sit back, relax, enjoy a time of worship before we get to the rest of our service. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Faithful through 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to ABF Online. Normally, Stephanie would be greeting you if you were walking up the walkway today. But as you've walked from your kitchen with your coffee to the couch, I'm your greeter today. So welcome to ABF. I want to tell you about a couple of things that is that are going on today. First of all, we're always willing to pray, as you know. And so just text us at 97000. That's 97000. And we would love to pray for you. Now, there's a lot of things happening here uh, at ABF in the month of July. In fact, Sunday night, July 19th, 8 p.m., we have Marriage Essentials with Dr. Paul and Terry Reiser as we look at marriage in the age of COVID. Wonderful time for us to connect via the Zoom link that you have in your email. Then we have our next Summer Fun Day on Wednesday, July 22nd at Zuma Beach between Lifeguard Stations 12 and 13. You gotta come. It's gonna be so much fun. And then after that, we have our Women's Courtyard Gathering on July 27th, right over here to my right in the courtyard. Uh, you can just imagine that. And we'd love to have you join us, ladies, on that night. And then we are always grateful for how you give to our church. And now you've all figured it out, uh, whether it's online or send a check or mail a check. We're so grateful for how you have responded during this time, and we appreciate that. Now, we have a fun thing we're doing. It's called the Food Box Giveaway. Instead of us raffling off dinners that we bring to you, we're part of a ministry through Children's Hunger Fund, and we have secured a number of fruit boxes and produce boxes over the last several weeks that every week we give away 60 or 65 boxes of food to Seminole Springs, uh, to the meal program, uh, all over we've given these. And now we're experimenting with a way for you to have a ministry in your neighborhood. And so today, on Sunday, after you listen to the video, come by the church and pick up a food box. It's filled with melons and carrots and all kinds of different things. And uh, you'll see a picture there behind me of what's in the box. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. There are 15 of you who can do that to take a box and bless a neighbor. I did it a few weeks ago with my neighbors and they were just blown away. They tried to write checks like, can we pay you for this? No, it's just because the people of ABF love you and wanna bless you with this little gift. So be a part of the food box giveaway this week. Let us know, come by and pick it up on Sunday after services. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the time. And now check out this video that Kevin and Brian did as they went to Children's Hunger Fund and they got those boxes. And then you're gonna hear a testimony from Jackie who's organized that food distribution at Seminole Springs. Your hearts will be blessed. Have a great day. All right, good morning, ABF. This is your favorite two interns, Kevin Powell and Brian Bernstein. You guys are gonna be going on a journey with us today to go pick up produce from the Children's Hunger Fund and we're gonna distribute it out here in Canale Valley. That's what I'm saying, you're a Ken Barber doll, bro. <laughs> I was on tape, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we uh, we are at our, our destination, uh, what, Children's Hunger Fund? We're at Children's Hunger Fund. Or Fun. MB2, which we might actually wanna stop there instead. Um, and uh, we're gonna go pick up this food and uh, uh, yeah, and then give it to the people of the world. See, the best thing about doing this with Brian is that I can kind of chill out and let you got the, the young buff guy do all the work. 
as you can see here we're getting all filled up brian's doing all the work well i just get to sit back and just tell him what to do i'll take donations <laughs> all right we got the food see uh kevin's gonna have to stand here to hold it in the whole drive because it's too full um and then we're gonna take it to the people and uh maybe get some food all right, ABF, we just made our first drop. We're here in Seminole Springs. And Jackie, what does this mean to the community here? This means so much to a lot of people here. And they're ever so grateful just to see the smiling faces is enough. And they thank ABF and everyone, the lovely guys who bring it. Thank you very much. All right, guys, on to the next drop. Hey church, I'm at the last stop of the day. I'm at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church here in Thousand Oaks. Uh, they asked me not to film because they're, they're running their food program right now as we speak. But I tell you what, man, it was a blessing to see. I was able to give them 10 of the produce boxes and right away there was families waiting just to pick them up and they were super blessed and super happy to have them. So it was a privilege to be a part of that. And uh, I'm super glad you guys got to go on this journey with Brian and I, and you guys kind of got to see what this is all about. And hopefully it's something that you guys would be interested in being a part of as well. Um, and one last thing, I do not know where Brian is at. So I managed to lose him along the way. So if you guys see him, tell him I said I love him and I'm sorry. All right, you guys, I'll see you all around church. Take care. Well, church, today is a special day. Today, Lindsay and I have been married for 2,060 three days. Yes, that's right. We've been married for almost as long as we've been in quarantine. True story. Uh, so Lindsay and I have been married for almost six years now. And uh, though we've been married for such a long time, we are still continuing to learn things about each other. Uh, at the beginning, we absolutely had a honeymoon phase where we saw each other through these rose-colored glasses. We thought the other person could do no wrong. They were just perfect the way that they were. Uh, however, eventually those rose-colored glasses came off and uh, I actually made the mistake of telling Lindsay that the rose-colored glasses had come off. I thought it was a romantic thing. I thought it was, babe, I see you for who you actually are and I still love you. She did not share that same sentiment and somehow I got in trouble. I don't know how, um, true story. Uh, she claims that she still has her rose colored glasses on for me. I don't know if it's true, uh, but that being said, I am super fortunate. She loves me so much, way more than I deserve. Uh, she's an awesome wife. Uh, all that to say is as we go through life, and experience new situations, we are definitely discovering new things about each other's character. Uh, this coronavirus season especially, we are learning some things about each other. Anybody else learning some things about your loved ones during this time? My sweet, sweet wife, uh, she is the best. She is learning a lot about Josh Antioho. She is learning just how many opinions I have and how I cannot keep my opinions inside of my mouth. Uh, she's also learning there are two types of people in this world. There are rule breakers and there are rule followers. Rule followers will follow the rules no matter what they are because they must follow the rules. Uh, Lindsay is learning that I'm a rule breaker at heart. Any other rule breakers out there? Uh, I'll tell you what though, I follow 100% of the rules that I agree with. So at least for that. Uh, I am discovering about my wife a couple of things as well. One, definitely putting my thumb on the fact that she is a people pleaser. Um, 
definitely, definitely a people pleaser. And that, there's a little bit of conflict uh, in this season because she wants to please me as her husband, but she also wants to please whoever set the rules that I want to break. Um, so a little bit of conflict. Also, she's kind of a rule follower. Like just being honest, she kind of is. Who's rule followers out there? Yes? Okay, excellent. I, and don't think you're better than us, okay? Um, so it's not that all of the sudden that we became these different people during the season. It's that a different experience has definitely revealed more about our character for better or for worse. One of the best things of reading through scripture is that the more that we do, the more we learn the character of our God. I don't know about you, but my theology, my understanding of who God is, is absolutely still growing. Just like I'm still learning my wife, I'm definitely still learning who the Lord is. And just as new experiences cause me to see my wife in a new light, as I have new life experiences, those cause me to read scripture and to see the Lord in a new light as well. Now, for clarification's sake, uh, before we move on, uh, the more I learn my wife, the more and more I love her every day. I don't want anyone to be confused about that. But also, uh, clarification, I'm not insinuating that we should read our own experiences or culture or biases into the word of God and distort what is written in there. Uh, I am not saying that at all. Rather, what I'm um, contending is that we should come with humility and allow the Lord to shape how we view his character using his perfect word. I think it is foolish and arrogant to say that I understand the infinite triune three-in-one perfect creator of the world God perfectly, and I don't need to budge or move on that at all. So today, as we are continuing in our series going through the book of Exodus, we're going to take a look at the historical accounts of Moses striking the rock. And as we do, we're going to focus in on God's character. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Chris last week, uh, you definitely should. Please go on and check that out. He did an awesome job. He was speaking about manna from heaven last week. Uh, and to be honest, I could have just copied and pasted his entire message uh, I thought about getting just his points in there and just substituting water in for manna. Honestly, so, so good. Go and check out Chris from last week. Uh, but like I said, instead this week, I'm gonna kind of change our focus and we're gonna just hone in and focus in on God's character. Uh, a big part of why we're doing that is honestly, as I read through it uh, this past week, uh, I just felt like because of experiences in my life over the last few months, I've read this passage and seen the Lord in a new light. And so as we dive in, I'm super excited to just kind of bring you along, bring you into what the Lord's been showing me about his unchanging character. And hopefully today we leave with a more complete view of who our God is. Sound good? Let's pray and we'll take a look. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Um, Lord, thank you that you are unchanging and thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you want us to discover and learn more and more about who you are and your character. Lord, I pray that you'd open up your word today. I pray that I would get out of the way and that you would speak to our hearts um, what you want to today. Um, thank you for how you've acted in history. Thank you that you're still the same, that we can learn from that. Uh, Lord, we give you this time now and pray that you'd lead us. 
pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Head on over to Exodus chapter 17. And while you are flipping over to Exodus chapter 17, I am going to give you a quick recap. And by quick, I mean quick. Here we go. There's a famine. God shows up. Israel and all his descendants go to Egypt. They multiply. Pharaoh gets scared of them, enslaves them, and orders all the baby boys to be killed. God shows up. He saves the boys. Moses is born. Moses grows up. God calls Moses to help the people and bring them out of slavery. But Pharaoh says, no, God shows up. There's plagues. The people are set free. They're trapped against the Red Sea with Pharaoh coming at them, and God shows up. He parts the sea. The enemies are completely taken care of. The Israelites continue on their journey. There's no food. The people are starving, and God shows up again. He miraculously provides birds and bread, something and quail and manna. Oh, my. Uh, all you Wizard of Oz fans uh, from last week, I know that you found out a piece of information about me that I've never seen the movie, and I just wanted to deeply apologize. Uh, I know that some of you were personally offended. I heard that there was audible gasps in the auditorium when Chris said that I had never seen the movie. So I'm sorry. Like, I, if you are deeply offended, I'm just sorry. Uh, I will watch the movie or probably not. To be honest, I don't really care that much. But uh, I love you. I love you. So after last week's section, they set out again. And that leads us to where we are in chapter 17, where we are going to see that our God welcomes the drama. Starting in verse 1, let's dive in. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means contending or quarreling. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Okay, so before we dive in uh, to some sweet truths about God's character, just wanna make a few observations which are gonna help set up where we're going. So for starters, and Chris hit on this last week, man, how annoying are these Israelites, right? Am I right? Always complaining. We've just heard 400 years of history and God has shown up over and over again. I mean, how dare they ask for protection and food and water? So selfish. 
So on one hand, it is completely true. God has done some amazing things. He showed up time and time again. Currently in their situation, he is still providing heavenly bread randomly out of nowhere every single day. And he's still leading them by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. That's still going on right now. On the other hand, they have no water. Like that's pretty darn essential if you ask me. We don't know how long they've been without water at this point. However, we know that you can survive three, maybe four days without water. I'm not trying to make excuses for the people, but they're literally dying of thirst. Literally dying of thirst. Have you ever hiked through the desert? I have not, so I can't really speak intelligibly on that, so I'm not gonna try. However, I have been to Israel and I've seen this wilderness that they're hiking through. It is absolutely gnarly, absolutely gnarly. I cannot imagine journeying through on foot with a bunch of kids and no water. Can't imagine it. One thing I do know is I know that every mother has what I like to call mama bear level, um, where if you cross a line, especially when it comes to her kids, like mama bear comes out and you do not wanna have to deal with mama bear. Uh, my mom had it. Uh, even with people that weren't her own kids, uh, I like the UFC, mixed martial art, arts, fighting uh, for sport. Uh, my mother does not like UFC. One of my earliest memories watching the UFC, somehow I convinced my family back when I was at home, growing up in the home, uh, convinced the family to throw on a fight. And so we're watching the fight. And during the fight, one of the guys gets into a mount position uh, on top of the other fighter and uh, is just raining down punches in the face, trying to stop the fight repeatedly. My mom gets up off the couch at the TV, yells at the top of her lungs, get off of him! Like veins are like popping in her head. Uh, epic, epic moment. We literally still make fun of her to this day because she's screaming at the TV at a guy that she doesn't know with like, that's consented to like fight in this thing. And there's a referee right there, but she just cannot handle it. Mama bear comes out. Um, just like one of these amazing, hilarious mama bear moments. But however, like I can just see an Israeli mama bear coming out when little Jimmy hasn't had water and is literally dying of thirst. Mama bear then goes and talks to Papa bear and Papa bear doesn't want mama bear up in his stuff. So yeah, he gets upset. He gets heated. He starts going to bat. Mob mentality swirls. All of a sudden we've got this mayhem going in the Israelite camp. I can just see the scenario setting up. Again, I'm not trying to make excuses. I don't think that the people, the Israelites are completely innocent. I'm just saying, they didn't have water. I'm just saying. So the Israelites here are with, without water. They're literally on the verge of death and they're grumbling. And as I said before, what I'd like to do is I'd like to shift our attention, shift our focus and use this passage to take a glimpse at God's character. From this story, from this passage, from this period in history, we can see that our God is okay with, and I would even go so far as to say is that he happily welcomes drama in the lives of his people. 
He happily welcomes drama in the lives of his people. Personally, I have a love-hate relationship with drama. I love drama in the lives of other people. And I know that that sounds terrible, but really what I mean by that is I love drama in the lives of other people that have subjected themselves to reality television. And uh, currently a couple of my favorite sources of people's drama is uh, our Survivor and one of my all-time favorites, The Bachelorette. Don't judge me, I know you watch it too. Uh, But I hate, I hate drama in my own life. Cannot stand it, have always hated drama in my own life. Some people like it, some people live for drama and turmoil. Doesn't make any sense to me, super weird. I try and do without it uh, at all costs. I avoid those type of people who are all about the drama. I avoid conflict, I avoid pain, stress, uncomfortable, unpleasant situations of all kinds whenever it is in my power to do so. Yet, the Lord is not on the same page. On the contrary, it seems that he happily welcomes the drama. He welcomes unpleasant, scary, even painful situations in the lives of his followers. Just look at the Israelites' journey so far as we just rewind a little bit. God is absolutely fine allowing the people to experience all of those different characteristics that I just talked about and come to the edge of ruin and disaster, coming right up to the edge. Eventually he shows up, but most people, especially those that are in the situation, would say that he was too late and that he allowed way too much drama to occur. If we just think back to the last two weeks, the Red Sea, God could have intervened earlier brought the Israelites away a different way, could have stopped the Egyptians earlier, could have completely avoided the drama of danger. Last week, with the bread from heaven, God could have intervened earlier. He could have consistently provided manna or quail or any other food, for that matter, along the way and completely avoided the drama of hunger and near starvation. Now, with the water situation, God could have intervened earlier and provided springs or water along the way, completely avoiding the drama of thirst and near death because of thirst. In our lives, many of us can point to times when the Lord could have intervened earlier and spared us of pain, spared us of discomfort, spared us of stress, completely avoiding drama, but he didn't, right? This isn't groundbreaking information. We all know this to be true. What does that say, though, about the character of our God that he happily welcomes drama in our lives? Let's keep reading. So I'd love for you guys to flip over to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers 20 is two books over Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers uh, chapter 20, as I said. We're going to fast forward here about 39 years. So those that are familiar with the story, they wandered for how many years? 40 years. So fast forwarding 39 years, we're getting towards the end of the wilderness experience, the end of their wandering. And here we're gonna take a look at the second rock striking incident and see that our God demands to be upheld as holy and rightfully so. So in the first few verses of Numbers 20, 
we'll see that here, 39 years later, it's a similar story. God is still all about the drama. There's not water yet again. However, shockingly, the people this time are still complaining. Uh, So in verses three, four, and five, uh, we see that they say, the people say, they would rather be dead or back in slavery. Look there then at verse number six, Numbers 20, verse six. We're gonna pick up the story there. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah. Again, that means contending or quarreling. Uh, Here it's a different physical location, but Moses is calling it the same thing because of what's going on around them where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them, he showed himself holy. Okay, so here, obviously we have some similarities to the last account, but also some differences. Last time, God instructed Moses to strike the rock in the presence of the elders. This time, God instructs Moses to speak to the rock in the presence of everyone. Last time, Moses obeyed. He struck the rock and water was provided. This time, Moses disobeys. He strikes the rock twice instead of speaking to it. Water is still provided. However, there are consequences for Moses. He's no longer allowed to enter into the land that God had promised the people. So I don't know about you. I've read this before. Uh, This passage brings up a number of why questions for me. Like, why did Moses disobey and strike the rock the second time? Like, what's going on in his head? Why did the Lord say, strike the rock the first time and speak to the rock the second time? Why is there this strict punishment for Moses uh, after he disobeys? Just why? I was diving in and, and just kind of ready to get into my study this week and, and looking through it. And I came up with a number of ideas for why Moses did the things that he did. And um, honestly, number one, I think it's kind of hard to speculate what's going on inside Moses's brain and why he acted the way that he did. Uh, although people have come up with plenty of thoughts on that. Um, the bigger thing is, I don't think that's the main focus and not necessarily where I'm looking Uh, today. So we're just going to spend the rest of our time just kind of focusing in on God's character versus speculating on Moses here. Uh, In high school ministry, I get lots of good questions and not so good questions uh, thrown at me. And it seems like the questions that hang up so many students are the why questions. Why did God do it this way? Why does God do this? Why does he allow this to happen? Why did he do that Um, those types of questions uh, hang up students a ton. So I asked my high school leaders, um, who we have some lovely high school leaders here today. 
Um, I asked them if there were any why questions that have come up in ministry over the years. And I got a list of a, a handful of good ones and wanted to share some of them. Um, why are we impacted by Adam and Eve's choice to sin? Why did God allow COVID to happen? And here are some like really deep ones. Why did God make it so that we can't taste colors? Why? My personal favorite, why did God create me with hair growing underneath my arm? Like, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's like the thought-provoking like questions of life um, that really wanna make you volunteer with high school ministry, right? Um, I feel like I'm better equipped to answer some of these questions than others. Uh, but ultimately, a lot of the times in these types of conversations, I come back to, man, it is so hard to know why to speak on why the Lord does things the way he does. Honestly, the biggest questions I'm going to have someday when I get up to heaven and speak to him face to face are gonna be why questions. Why did you do it this way? Why did you let this happen? There's no doubt. Uh, the same is true here in this rock striking situation. Um, hard to know exactly why God uh, acts the way that he does. However, as we look to scripture, I think we can speculate a little bit. And so I'd love to just kind of bring you into a little bit of my study this week uh, on God's character. First, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses one through four, they say this. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. So about 1400 years after the Exodus events occur, Paul writes to the church at Corinth about their forefathers back in the Exodus. How they followed the pillar of cloud, how they passed through the sea, how they drank from the rock. And Paul here makes the connection saying that the rock symbolizes Jesus. Now, here's how this comes into play. The rock, again, symbolizing Jesus, only needed to be struck once in order to provide living water forever. Jesus only needed to die one time to pay for all sin for eternity. However, Moses struck the rock a second time, painting an imperfect picture of Christ's once and for all sacrifice. It's a pretty cool illustration, right? It absolutely could play in to why God acted the way he did in disciplining Moses. He ruined the illustration. Is that the full picture? Is that the entire reason why? Maybe. Personally, I think our best glimpse into God's heart on the matter comes from his own mouth. Look there at Numbers 20, verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, he's speaking, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them, he showed himself holy. Ultimately, it is all about God's holiness. 
the number one factor that played into Moses's repercussions was how he handled the Lord's holiness. I think that the hardest thing about following Jesus, the hardest things about following Jesus are the both ands of our faith. And what I mean by the both ands of our faith are taking two things that are seemingly opposite, and yet they're both true at the same time. On one hand, we have free will, and at the same time, the Lord chooses and predestines us, both true at the same time. The Lord is completely just, and he's so incredibly merciful. He's our intimate friend and our father, and at the same time, he is holy God, creator of the universe. He welcomes the drama in our lives, and he's still worthy of being upheld as holy in our hearts. Again, here in this side of the story, the Israelites are on the verge of dying from thirst yet again. They're saying that they'd rather be in slavery or dead than in their current situation of thirst. Again, don't get me wrong, they're not innocent, they're not thinking clearly, but the only scenario where it's better to be dead than dying is if you're suffering, right? So I enjoy movies, TV shows, uh, where there's war, spies, situations where people might find themselves being tortured. I enjoy some of those types of shows. Uh, have you ever, if you watch those types of shows, watch somebody that's about to get tortured and thought, man, how would I kill myself so that I wouldn't have to get tortured to death? No, just me. Okay, awesome. Uh, sweet. But if given a choice, would you rather die quickly or be tortured to death, right? It's a pretty easy, easy answer. The Israelites are suffering from thirst. I kind of picture these dry, cracked, sunburnt lips, hoarse throats, burning, burning throats that are trying with everything that they can to yell out and be furious with Moses. And Moses, he's dealing with all those physical things, dealing with the thirst, and he's also got this extra layer of drama where he's got the people angry with him. Back in the Exodus account, he thought that they were gonna kill him. Yet, God allowed it all. He welcomed all of this drama and did not intervene. And still we see that God's baseline requirement is he just wants his guy, Moses, to keep his head and uphold the Lord as holy to the people, even in the midst of, of all this crazy drama. I, uh, I feel like this is like the exact thing that Lindsay and I have just kind of been wrestling through and trying to figure out over these last nine months uh, since sweet JJ passed uh, back in October. And it's figuring out, man, what's this balancing act of being honest with our hurt, with our pain, with our anger, and still revering the Lord as holy. Like, how do we do that with ourselves? How do we do that with God? How do we do that with other people? How will we be genuine in our grief with all of these different groups of people and at the same time, like, magnify how holy the Lord is? Um, it's been interesting because we've, we've kind of put our finger on, honestly, even just recently within the last few weeks, how we can kind of be both at the same time, a little, another both and, how we can be hurt in pain, even angry, and yet still so in awe of who the Lord is. Um, it's been kind of crazy. Um, like I alluded to back in the intro and mentioned that this season 
since JJ has definitely shaped how I've seen scripture, how I've seen the Lord. Um, and as I was reading this passage and preparing even this week, uh, man, I've never felt such compassion and sympathy um, and just like felt one with the Israelites and Moses like I have um, recently. Um, as we close, I just wanted to share just a couple of quick thoughts that hopefully kind of like brings all of this together. Um, and man, I'll be honest, like I'm still continuing to like be in the process of this and figuring it out. Uh, definitely feel like in the middle of the drama uh, before the Lord has intervened in, in certain areas of our lives for sure. Um, and the first thing is this. The first thing is that I know that God welcomes drama in our lives beyond, beyond the shadow of a doubt. I know he welcomes the drama in our lives. Have you ever heard the scripture that talks about how the Lord won't give us more than we can handle? Well, that's a lie, right? Completely misleading. There's no scripture that says that. Uh, I think when people speak about that, they're referring to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which is talking about temptation, how the Lord won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And that's absolutely true. But without a doubt, the Lord allows us to, to go through things that are harder than we can handle. He gives us more than we can handle. Uh, and that's not because he loves drama. He's not a drama queen, that's for sure. He doesn't enjoy our pain. He's not this rough, terrible, horrible, miserable, um, distant ruler up there. It's actually quite, quite the opposite. The reason why he allows us to go through hard things, he gives us more than we can handle. He allows the drama and happily welcomes it in our lives is because he's hopeful that we'll let our drama illuminate his holiness. He's hopeful that we will let our drama illuminate his holiness. God knows that what we need most is not his intervention. Even though we think that the thing that we need most is, in, is intervention, it's not. Because we want it in our way, in our time. He knows that that's not what we need most. What we need most is to be so desperately aware of who is the only one that can intervene the only one that's even remotely capable of intervening because that person is so, that one is so set apart, is so above, is so other, so holy. It's beyond our wildest comprehension. For whatever reason, it seems that it takes our drama for us to realize how desperate we are for the Holy One especially in those certain areas of our lives. Why is it so easy for us to think that we've got it? Like, if we're just being honest, in certain areas of our lives, it's easy for us to just drift into thinking, man, we've just got it. And sometimes it takes drama for us to realize how desperate we are for the Holy One in those areas. As I was planning on wrapping up, I was planning on just wrapping it up there. I thought, man, that's a good sound bite. It sounds really good. Uh, to just close it up there. But then I realized, man, even though it's true, it does not wrap everything up in a tiny little bow. It doesn't make the drama periods easier or go quicker. And it certainly doesn't answer the why questions in our lives. Um, really what we're realizing is that it's a process. And hopefully instead of making us bitter, that we'll let the drama in our lives make us even more aware of how desperate we are for the Holy One. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, God, thank you that you continue to shape um, us, that you're continuing to mold us and shape how we see you. Lord, thank you for how holy and set apart and other you are. Um, 
Lord, thank you that you're the only one capable. Um, Lord, I pray that you just continue to hammer it into my head and into our heads collectively of just how desperate we are for you. Um, Lord, we're so quick to think that we've got it, that we're good. Um, I still think that. And uh, Lord, I, I, I just desperately um, want to be aware of how much I need you. And uh, thank you for how you show that to us. Thank you for giving us more than we can handle so that we need you. Um, it's sweet. It hurts. Um, it's painful. Um, but yet it's good. We can trust you um, as the one that can intervene. Um, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Um, Lord, I pray that you just continue to speak to our hearts and mold us, God. You're good. We love you. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
church. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next time.